0: hello everybody welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast today is october 17th at time recording and as always we are excited to get into some sports news a lot of sports going on right now so Without further ado, I am going to introduce my awesome co-host today. He's a great man, living in Denver. He was just complaining that the weather is getting colder, but you know what? That's okay. He's here anyways, excited to talk about sports. It's Donnie, of course. Donnie, how's it going?
1: Oh, I'm just great. You know, living the dream. Uh, Back home after a 10-day uh vacation, if you want to call that. And and we're just, we're ready to get back into it. You know, I missed the podcast. You know, obviously we didn't record for the last couple of days. A lot has happened. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, it's about time to get into it, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. As you said, we had a few podcasts uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, Donnie had some traveling. But yeah, sports, there there was stuff going on. We saw the NHL and NBA conclude since our last podcast. Obviously, Tampa Bay Lightning winning in the NHL and the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA. So that was awesome. We've had now a little bit of offseason as well in the NHL. We've had the NHL draft, a little bit of free agency news. So uh, I think we'll start there in the NHL. Just keep with that. Just go over a few notes that we've uh, had so far out of the NHL. Obviously, some of the big free agents that we covered in our preview podcast, starting with defenseman Alex Petrangelo. He ends up going to the Vegas Golden Knights on a long-term deal. That was obviously a big signing for Vegas. Again, trying to bolster up their decor. That probably one of the biggest-named defensemen they've acquired so far uh, for Vegas. They've been doing a good job of getting those high-end forwards, but Petrangelo, obviously a big add. So, Uh, Any thoughts on that big move for Petrangelo to Vegas, Donnie? You know, if there was going to be a gap closer towards them and Colorado, who I think is the clear
1: favorite or was the clear favorite to win it all uh, next year, had we, you know, had gone to Vegas and picked a winner, uh, you know, Vegas has done it. I think that they have, Vegas just gets it for whatever reason, starting off with a brand new franchise and being able to start with like a, I don't know, a blank slate, if you want to call it that, has really done just a ridiculous amount for them. They are, I don't know, they're stuck to the gills with talent. They're going to be a fun team to watch. It's like if Petrangelo can provide what he did for St. Louis in Vegas, they could be dangerous. That team could be really, really good.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that. Vegas has been a playoff regular, really, since uh, they came into the league. So um, they've obviously been very good in that Pacific division, which um, it seems to always kind of just be up for grabs. It didn't even seem like for a lot of last year, Vegas was really playing all that great, and they still ended up being one of the best teams in that division. So... Uh, obviously they went through a coaching change as well so obviously that's a big ad for Vegas another one of the big free agency moves we saw obviously being Taylor Hall going to Buffalo this was kind of strange because it was a one-year deal so Taylor Hall is obviously betting on himself he's like hey I can go to Buffalo and play with Jack Eichel and probably put up like 100 points in Buffalo and then hopefully cash out uh, a year from now so that was something that surprised me I didn't think Buffalo was necessarily going to be on Taylor Hall's radar but uh, any thoughts on that for you Donnie?
1: I just think the market in general is really, really strange right now. It's like I don't, I don't think anybody anticipated it to be this, I don't know, this, this weird. Obviously, we saw a lot of one-year deals, a lot of less money, um, like smaller money contracts compared to years prior, where uh, spending was something that was uh, pretty common. I'd say long-term deals were handed out. Uh, I'd say in prior years, in a normal year, there's no way Taylor Hall doesn't get a long-term contract offer. Uh, I just, I think that's out of the question at that point, but. If he was going to take a a show-me-something deal, as long as he can stay healthy, Buffalo is the place to be, I think. It's like, obviously, playing with Jack Eichel uh, will easily be the best teammate he's ever had. And then, you know, maybe Buffalo could be half-decent, uh, as we've seen. You know, it's like they've made some moves. Like, you know, the Eric Stahl is a Buffalo Saber. Think about it. Like, I don't know. It's weird. But, um, yeah, the, I think, if anything, it's a good move for him, because either... If they stink, you know, he'll get traded to deadline to a contender, easy peasy. Um, if they're good, you know, he'll be a playoff. There'll be a playoff team. And, you know, he might end up having some really, really good production. Um, I think you probably agree with this. This has just been a weird free agency in general, though.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I think from Taylor Hall's perspective, as as you kind of outlined there, it definitely does make a lot of sense. It wasn't something that was necessarily on my radar, but the fact that Taylor Hall now He's like, all right, I mean, I can just kind of cash out. It's kind of a weird year, obviously. The fact that hockey-related revenue has not been as high, so the salary caps... Uh, pretty stagnant. So Taylor Hall just thinking, well, maybe next offseason will be in a little bit better spot to cash out in long term. So um, that obviously being his main incentive to go to Buffalo. But yeah, as you said, Buffalo should be a little bit better. I still have some questions uh, in net and as their defensive depth, but uh, obviously you have Rasmus Dahlin there as well. So a lot of talent uh, starting to get there in Buffalo. So uh, that will be interesting to watch as well. Last thing out of NHL free agency for me that I wanted to highlight here, uh, being the Montreal Canadiens, I think they've made some interesting moves so far, Mark Berzavan. Uh, one of the moves that surprised me was that Josh Anderson deal, signing him to a seven year deal for five and a half million. Anderson only 26, so it's not like he's going to be too old at the end of that deal, but that one kind of surprised me. I thought that was uh, a little bit expensive on that. They also have, of course, Shea Weber, who is making $7.8 million and still signed for six years. So uh, pretty interesting situation for the Habs. And then last note on them, they extended Jake Allen as well for uh, a couple of years. So they're paying a lot of money. their are goaltenders, obviously, with Carey Price being there as well. $14.8 million, the combined half hit for Price and Allen. So uh, I was just kind of looking at the Canadians, and, and I thought it was a little bit strange, some of the moves that uh, Mark Bergevin was making there.
1: Yeah, you know, I saw as soon as it happened, somebody said, uh, I think it was Darren Dreger said there was an executive that texted him and said, oh, WTF, I don't know what's going on there, something along those lines. And I mean, I think it's just, that's the Habs way at this point, you know, I I think all their fans were probably just like, WTF, what's going on here? Um, Obviously, I think Domi is like one of their fan favorites and a big... I don't know, just a contributor. Obviously, you know, down years happen, but it's like if anybody had a down year, Josh Anderson had a down year. I think we we established he had two goals and four assists last year. Uh, obviously, 28 games, uh, so abbreviated season for him. But I don't, I, I've never heard of anybody getting paid $35 million over seven years for putting up six points in a season. Obviously, he has the capability to be a lot better, but, like, is that not a little bit weird to anybody else? Or did somebody check on Mark and make sure that he wasn't, like, I don't know, trying, trying to offer somebody else? uh Five and a half mil over seven
0: years? Like, I don't know. Yeah, a little strange. Mark Burzvan. Every time I always see pictures of Mark Burzvan, he's always a little bit more jacked. So he's always he's always pumping the iron. So maybe he's focusing too much on that than uh than the actual film. The steroids. Yeah. Yep, the steroids are clodding his head up, apparently. I don't know. I guess so. But a uh, few other free agents I just wanted to touch on. I know in our preview podcast, Donnie and I picked out a couple guys that we were really interested to see where they would wind up. Tyson Berry, he goes to the Oilers. That was one player that uh, I was most curious to see where he lands. Another player I'll just mention here, Andre Burakovsky. he was a restricted free agent with the Avs, but he's already re-signed two-year deal, 4.9 million. And I like that deal for the Abs. But uh, any other deals we've seen so far in the NHL uh, that intrigued you, Donnie? I just think the Tory Krug signing is interesting, considering
1: uh, he made like a kind of a kind of a mess of things uh, in the Stanley Cup a couple years ago, uh, and now he's going to go in the locker room and just be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" After being uh, a very high impact, maybe maybe not. You know, he kind of went head hunting. I think we saw with Robert Thomas. That's got to be a little bit of a weird dynamic um i don't know i also don't know on the other side what Boston's doing it seems like boston really hasn't done as much as they needed to and they still have question marks um yeah i it's i think it's more interesting that we haven't seen all the like big names sign yet it's like mike hoffman what, what are we doing here what are we what are we what are we talking um and I think that's also just how the season has went, how how 2020 has went. Everything is weird. The revenue is not there. Um, the cap didn't go up. Teams don't have the flexibility. We still haven't seen the Islanders do anything, f- which we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, about I'd say about two weeks ago today, uh, saying that they had the most interesting offseason ahead of them. And we thought there was going to be a ton of interesting like big moves that they were going to make. And it turns out they've done literally nothing. Like They have the same roster, the same setup, the same RFAs, other than getting rid of Devontae's uh, in a deal that is very, very much looked at by the media and by, I don't know, just about everybody as a bad deal for the Islanders.
0: Yeah, obviously them, they have not re-signed Matt Barzell yet, obviously that being their most significant move. Luley uh we talk with our friend Steve a lot, a big Islanders fan, how Lule amarello is not usually someone who likes to wheel and deal. The Isles made uh, that move with Taves, as you mentioned, but um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation there with the Isles. Still, obviously, a little bit of time to go in free agency, as you mentioned, Hoffman. Uh, and uh, Barzell, so uh, some free agent dominoes to fall, but yeah, just going back to your point on Tory Krug real quickly, I thought that was a nice signing as well. Glad you brought that up. Obviously, the Blues kind of transitioning from obviously Alex Petrangelo leaving, and then even going back a few years ago when they had guys like Kevin Shattenkirk and Jay Bomeister and now they've kind of really just flopped that uh, top pairing of their defense and top end of that defense guys like Justin Falk, who they brought in last year, now Tori Krug and then Colton Perenco, who they have done a nice job developing. So a uh, nice job for the blues. I think obviously they've won a, a Stanley cup recently. And I think they've done a nice job with uh, their prospect pool and kind of rebuilding that decor. Yeah. We talk all the time about
1: extending your, your um, window, extending your playoff um, I don't know. Competency. I would say being able to get back there year and year again. Um, I don't know. St. Louis is such an interesting team. It's like I think a lot of people were picking them to be the Stanley Cup favorite out of the West this year. Obviously, it didn't go that far. But um, I, I don't know. I think you have to give them credit for taking the punches. Like you're going to lose players if you're a Stanley Cup caliber team. You're going to lose players over time. Obviously, with Petrangelo, um, they, they didn't really offer him. I don't think. I don't think they had much competition um, in, in Vegas in terms of getting Petrangelo. So, uh, you know, St. Louis, they did a good job of reading and reacting. You don't see a lot of reading and reacting from a lot of GMs. It seems like everybody's more, I don't know, willing to stay put. And then you see GMs like, you know, um, I, I don't know what the exact word is, but I feel like there are GMs that make trades to make trades. And that don't, they don't really work out well, uh, but you see teams like St. Louis and Colorado really doing a good job of adapting to the market and just picking up players little by little, using their cap space correctly, and you know not downgrading. I'd say Patrino Lagrue is a downgrade. Is it that big of a downgrade? I'd say probably not.
0: Yeah, in agreement with you on that. Obviously, they're saving some uh, cap with Tori Krug instead of Petrangelo. Maybe you get a little bit of a decrease in terms of quality of play, but uh, I think you're also getting good production out of Tory Krug, so uh, I like that one. So uh, it's been an interesting NHL off so far. Obviously we've never had this kind of format, obviously with the draft and, and free agency being in such short span from when that cup final ended. So uh, it's been interesting to follow. We'll continue to do so as more signings come in, obviously on Hoffman, as we outlined, those are the two big names that we're still waiting on there. So, uh, interesting stuff out of, there, out of the N- out of the NHL. We can now shift over to the MLB, which is really getting hot. We're almost at the World Series right now. The Tampa Bay Rays just got there, literally uh like a minute ago as time of recording so that's kind of funny they survive they're up 3-0 against the Houston Astros Astros force all a game seven that is very rare in the MLB for a team to even make it that close but the Rays they do survive and get to the World Series there Uh, which is I guess I'd say probably
1: expected uh I think they were maybe not heavy favorites but favorites going into the um going into the series uh and I don't think anybody really wanted to see the Astros win I think if you're a rational baseball fan you're rooting against the Astros basically uh hand over foot here like you you are i don't think anybody wants to see the astros have success it's really nice to see them lose uh no offense if you're an astros fan and, and you know you, you condemn the cheating um that they have you know really ruined the sport with i think but uh it, it's nice to see a team like the rays prove that you don't need a massive payroll and you don't need all these superstar players to make the world series and actually have, they've had a great year regardless uh, even if they win or
0: lose the world series i'd say this year is a huge success for them yeah, I definitely agree with that. Obviously, Ray's very small market team, and uh, they have been in the World Series before, obviously, when they played the Phillies uh, back in 08, but now they're back here. So that is really interesting. They beat, obviously, some, some powerhouses in the AL, taking down both the Yankees and the Astros. So uh, definitely good for the Rays. They will obviously be facing a team from the National League. That series also going seven games. The Braves, they were up 3-1 in that series. Game seven for us at time of recording is tomorrow. So you at time of listening to this podcast probably know. But Donnie, obviously big Dodgers fan. How are you feeling going into that series? What have you seen so far out of the Dodgers and Braves?
1: Uh, you know, you get a game seven. You can never really be too confident. Uh, I was saying after 3-1 that the series was probably over. It didn't seem as if they were going to wake up. Uh the offense was really, really poor to start off the series, but they had they've they've had some good games here and there. It's like obviously uh you don't wanna have to go to your closer in a consistent situation over and over, and they haven't tonight was the first night that they needed Kenley to make a save in the series um which is a huge positive, I think, considering Kenley Jansen has been looked at as uh, i don't know uh, beleaguered is a word they used on the broadcast earlier, which is. You know, pretty tough for a guy that was didn't have that bad of a year, but um, yeah, I don't know. The Dodgers—they don't really the offense has not been there, which is surprisingly enough. Yeah, um, you know, just how it works, I guess. Baseball playoffs. The Braves have been fantastic pitching wise, other than the one bad game they had where they gave up what 16, 17 runs. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Game seven is always interesting. I think the Braves will have the upper hand in terms of the pitching matchup to start off, um, considering they have Ian Anderson who will be on full rest. Uh, against, it looks like Tony Gonsolin, uh, maybe Julio Urias, maybe a mixture of the both, and then the bullpen, maybe Kershaw comes in and pitches a couple innings. Um, I don't know. I I can't be super confident. However, I would like to believe that Dodgers were the best team in baseball this year, and I think that they should continue to be able to. In a game like that, a Game 7, you should be able to win those games. And regardless of who pitches, they just need the offense to step up. Um, The offense did not do anything after the first inning today which is, again, very, very worrisome considering, you know, you can't put up three runs in the first inning and expect to win games. But if it works, it works. And I guess they got to game seven. So you have to give them a little bit of credit. And, you know, um, Dave Roberts, he did a good enough job. Um, So you have to give him a little bit of credit too, although Dodgers fans are very, very unhappy with how he has managed the entire series. Um, As a Dodgers fan, I'd say the Dodgers probably win the game, but I can't be overly confident. Um, You just have to hope the offense, you know, shines through and does what they need
0: to do. Yeah, you mentioned there the interesting situation with the Braves. Braves, their prospect pool, it just seems like it's never-ending. It seemed like a couple years ago we were talking about guys like Albies and Acuna and Austin Riley, guys like that coming up. And now even still, they still have so many prospects that are coming up. You mentioned uh, Anderson with the pitchers. They have that center fielder who's a rookie as well. So uh, a lot of young talent for the Braves. So it's interesting to see that kind of contrast with the Dodgers who have so much star power. Obviously, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Two of the best players in baseball, and 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 Mookie Betts he had that catch today. That was incredible in center field, uh, for the Dodgers.
1: The defense has been really, really surprising. Considering, I think it's a lot more of a. They make a lot of flashy plays, but they've had some great performance. Even Jock Peterson made a great catch on the ninth today, which is you know shocking to me because you know Jock came in, uh, to pinch hit in the eighth, it had not made a play in the field, and then he has to make a diving catch to uh, start off the ninth inning. Uh, obviously, we've seen great catches like from Bellinger. Bellinger made a fantastic catch last series in center field to rob a home run um, and, and give them some life. And then obviously Mookie. Mookie's all over the place. He's uh, clearly a top three, top four player in baseball. Uh, even when he's not performing offensively, his defense is just unmatched almost in baseball. Um, and it's really, really nice to be a Dodger fan and know he's gonna be on the team for the next decade. That's that gives me a little bit of uh, you know, th- there's a little bit of hope for the future that this Dodger team could maybe win a couple World Series down the line. And you know, obviously the last eight years they've made the playoffs and not done anything. This this could be you know th- this could be the spark they really needed. I mean, if you win a Game Seven, go to the World Series against the Rays, you'd have to think the Dodgers would be a heavy favorite in that series. So.
0: Yeah, in agreement with you on that, especially if the Dodgers were to win, obviously completing that 3-1 comeback, not something we see a lot in baseball. Astros unable to come back down 3-0, so uh, kind of interesting that that we are in this situation in baseball, but uh, that's been really fun to watch. We'll get back into baseball in a little bit when we get into our questions, so just wanted to touch on some of those championship series going on right now. But with that, we can transition over to football now, some NFL talk, obviously Uh, We are coming up on week six in the NFL. As you're listening, I'm sure that is either going on or just concluded. So uh, that's really nice. But we have a few teams we just want to highlight. Donnie and I each picked one team that we feel has surprised us a little bit. For a positive note, I'm going to start with this going with the Tennessee Titans. I think the Titans have looked uh, really well. I think, uh, again, uh, coming off a season when they made the AFC Championship game, obviously they paid a lot of money to Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And so far that's looked good. They're sitting at four and I think when I think a lot about NFL team building, I think it's not the best strategy to necessarily give a lot of money to a running back and, and build your offense on the ground. I think uh, a passing offense is definitely more modern and preferred, but it's working out for the Titans so far. I mean, uh, they really seem to be buying in Derrick Henry playing really good football as well. So, Um, Good stuff from the Titans. I think they've looked really well. This week, they've had the Texans at home, who obviously they fired Bill O'Brien. So I think that winning trend should continue for the Titans. So uh, I've definitely been impressed with them. But yeah, Donnie, a surprise team in the NFL for you. Let's hear it. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers for me. Uh,
1: I'm as surprised as anybody that Ben Roethlisberger can still throw a ball well and run an offense. Uh, I don't know. I was very skeptical coming into the year. I think you can go back to our preview pod. And, you know, I was not super high on the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers can always shock you. But we're seeing performances out of guys that you would not have expected to be this good right now. It's like, obviously, Clay- Chase Claypool had like the best game of all time last week. Um, Obviously, you had to see it. You had to deal with that. Um. Sorry, yeah, unfortunate, um, obviously. The play, yeah, playing the Eagles, uh, he should have had four touchdowns. I think he it did. Yeah, I think it was, uh, or he should have had five touchdowns. Should um, there was one that was. Close. Yeah, that OPI was a terrible call. Yeah, he he
0: had five touchdowns in that game. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you just have to think with the Steelers. It's like. This is a team that is so well-coached, even though it seems like they always lose their talent. People were complaining about Antonio Brown being gone, so they were like, oh, they have no chance to stick around, and Le'Veon Bell's gone. And it, you have to look at their careers after they leave. It's like the Steelers made Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell good, it looks like. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell uh, was cut last week, and then signed with the Chiefs should have a good time over there in KC, where it doesn't seem like much goes wrong. Um, but Antonio Brown is literally out of the league right now, so um, that's, I, I think that nobody would have predicted that when he left, the Steelers a couple of years ago. Um, it just they throw whoever they want in there, and they get performances. They get whatever they need. It's like obviously you have guys like I don't know, uh, Juju's still good. Juju always does his job. Eric Ebron seems to fit the offense pretty well. Uh, Deontay Johnson does his job. Didn't really do anything last week, but you know, um, always a threat. And they just they seem to rotate players in and out, and they always get production one week or another from different guys. Uh, even James Connor's is fine as a running back. Uh, but I think the the big surprise has been Ben Roethlisberger coming back uh, at an older age for a quarterback and still being pretty, pretty talented, which is uh, not necessarily where a lot of people thought he was going to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that point with Big Ben. Obviously, last year coming off that shoulder injury, there was a lot of questions. I mean, this guy's really old coming off an injury. How's he going to respond? But he's looked really well. Yeah, like, like you said, Chase Claypool, he dominated uh, the Eagles last week. I think that fourth touchdown, uh, that really was totally inexcusable. The Eagles were putting a linebacker, Nate Gary, in coverage on, uh, on Chase Claypool, and that burned him, pretty much killed him. So uh, that was really ugly. But yeah, to your point, I think that is really good observation with the Steelers. And so many of those players that have been playing well for them are players that they drafted... And develop that's something i think pittsburgh has done really well you mentioned the receivers chase claypool juju smith schuster james washington Those are all players that Pittsburgh has drafted, and they've all been pretty solid and given them good production. And then uh, James Conner, Benny Snell as running backs as well. So uh, I like what Pittsburgh's doing. Defensive side of the ball as well. Pittsburgh blitzes a lot. That's something the Eagles had to face. Their offensive line actually held up decently, but you have guys like TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. Obviously, Mika Fitzpatrick back there in the secondary, not a player that they drafted, but traded a first-round pick four. I thought that was a really good add. So uh, I really have liked what I've seen from Pittsburgh. I think that division, the entire AFC North, has been uh, really, really impressive. Even when you look at teams like the Browns and the Bengals who had been very bad. Now they have a little bit more hope. The Browns been off to a good start so far at four and one Bengals, obviously with Joe Burrow. Now they have been able to put together some sort of an offense. And of course, Baltimore Ravens being one of the best teams in football as well. So um, this week we got Browns and Steelers. So we'll see that matchup in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's success will continue, but yeah, I definitely like your observation. I've liked what I've seen from the Steelers so far.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to see a Steelers Ravens game. It seems like that's going to be, that uh, could potentially be a doozy. And uh Obviously, this week we're seeing Steelers play the Browns. Somebody put an interesting stat uh, that I know you'll enjoy, that uh, Ben Roethlisberger has never lost to a team uh, that has a color in their name. Okay. Uh, he's 12-0 against the Browns at home. This, this is at Heinz Field. 12-0 against the Browns at home. 2-0 against the Packers at home. So you got to think about it like that. This streak's got to continue. 14-0, that's a good sample
0: size. Yeah, it is. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he sees colors very well. So that's that's the analysis there. That's, that's prime analytics. Yeah, I mean, hey, if
1: you're good against colors, you know, being against the Browns in, in the division with the Browns, you can't really complain about that. I mean, it's like, hey, that's a free win every year. Uh,
0: also helps that the Browns have also been an absolute disaster train wreck for the last decade. But yeah, we'll, we'll go with the color thing. I think Roethlisberger, it, just, it works out for him. So, uh, good stuff. Last football thought we have, just going over a game from last week. We saw the first loss for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it came at home to the Oakland Raiders. I think that's something that surprised a lot of people, but uh, we saw Henry Ruggs kind of break out a little bit in that game, so uh, that was pretty interesting to see the Raiders' defense kind of stifle the Chiefs. Raiders, we're, Donnie and I were talking before the podcast just about how strange the Oakland Raiders are. They literally are such a prime team that they play to the level of their competition they have the potential to lose to absolutely terrible teams and then do things like go win in arrowhead so uh that was kind of one of the more strange games we saw in week five. Oh um
1: I-, I tend to believe that the raiders are going to fall off and i think you would agree on that but it's nice to see them at least stick around for a little bit because that division is a train wreck the chargers are pretty bad although herbert looks good uh, nobody knows what Denver's doing. Nobody has any idea what the Broncos are doing ever. Yeah, a lot um, of injuries Denver. so far no, for the Broncos. Melvin Gordon's getting DUIs. You know, it's, just, it's, it's not ideal for them. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see. I'd say there's almost every division in the league has competition at this point. It might not be good competition. like The NFC East is just bad. But um, every division has some competition through five weeks, and that's not something you can necessarily say was something that you would have guaranteed it's like, I don't know, in the NFC East, especially, it's like, you, you don't really know who's going to win that division, especially with the Cowboys not having Dak. But it's like, even divisions like the AFC East, where people were a little bit concerned about, um, you know, Buffalo not running away with things. It's like, New England's not bad. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are actually not a bad football team. So it's like, I think we've had a really, really good start to the NFL season outside of COVID issues, which have basically taken over, but that's to be expected, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, you did mention up the uh, COVID issues, which has been, uh, unfortunately, kind of prevalent lately. We've seen uh, a lot of teams be impacted by that, but, um, well, you know, we'll hopefully push through it. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, it's been fun to watch uh, so far in the NFL, but, um, yeah, so week six probably going on or just concluding as you're listening to this, so um, we look forward to that. You can now shift college football right now as i said time recording for us donnie and i it's a saturday so we just kind of had week seven of the college football season wrap up we're a week away from big 10 football coming back so i know that's something that i'm really looking forward to but we had one of the biggest games of the year happen today alabama defeating georgia in tuscaloosa this was a very typical alabama georgia game georgia was up at halftime and then you hit the second half and bama really just turns it on mac jones Devontae smith Najee harris jalen waddle all had very strong games for bama so uh that's Top two teams in the country so far, Bama, Clemson. I mean, it's a pretty typical year in college football. Both of them have been really rolling so far this season. Yeah, who's surprised? Who's really surprised at this point? Um,
1: You know, the cream of the crop, they always rise to the top. And, you know, we've seen that over and over and over. Um, I don't know. You'd like to see Georgia put up a fight, but, you know, the second half today was bad. Um, I don't know. I think both you and I expected this result. I don't think there was any question that we thought it would end up being a two, two and a half, three touchdown game at the end of things. Uh, it's just, it's talent. You know, it's like Alabama is, they're just, they're just different. Alabama and Clemson are just different. And you just have to deal with it if you're a college football fan, honestly.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Georgia, they have very good recruiting, but they still have a super, super young team. A lot of their players, underclassmen, that have been playing for them so far this year. So I think they will be even better uh, next year, for example, but unable to get by the Crimson Tide today. So uh, that was really interesting. I think we're all just kind of setting up to see that Clemson-Alabama matchup that we do pretty much every year. Clemson, they destroyed Georgia Tech today. Trevor Lawrence looked incredible yet again. So um that's kind of what things are going on there in college football last note i have of a game that happened today north carolina lost at florida state north carolina was three and zero at time their quarterback sam howell had looked really good so far this year but they lose uh to florida state uh it happened today so um they were fifth in the country probably a little bit rich for me i think they were probably a little bit overranked, but um they fell today so um, just a few college football notes there. But uh, any other thoughts from you, Donnie? Obviously, Miami, they got a win today as well. So uh, I'm sure you were glad to see that.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more thing on Florida State. You have to remember their only wins against Jacksonville State this year. Uh, they lost to Miami by six touchdowns. Um, so that's that's embarrassing that's that's a tough one for unc it's like i saw a lot of people saying oh this unc team could be legit this could they could be real for once and then you know um maybe not sorry not quite get them next year you know um the acc is bad just let it happen like at this point it's
0: clemson than everybody else and this is what we expected yeah that is uh definitely how things have shaped out so far in the acc so uh it's nice to have conference play going on and uh and and college football to watch so that's obviously very exciting continue to follow that uh obviously big 10 football as i mentioned coming back next week so Um, I am personally very excited for that. But with that, we can now shift over as we do all of our podcasts. We get a bunch of questions from our listeners on sports or whatever, and we answer them and give our thoughts. So we can get into that right now. We will start with our friend Jam at Jam the Lamb on Twitter. And he says, baseball thought here is Austin Martin, the best MLB prospect of all time. Interesting thought here. But uh, Austin Martin, he was picked fifth overall in the MLB draft this past year to the Blue Jays. So uh, (laughs) interesting thought, best prospect of all time. That's a little bit rich for me, but uh, it definitely brings up an interesting thought that Donnie and I had, just bringing up uh, a few prospects that we like right now. I know he said prospect of all time, but... Uh, I'll kind of take it and and just go over a few prospects that uh, are currently out there in baseball that I'm a fan of. I'll start with Adley Rutschman. He was the first overall pick in the 2019 draft. Switch in and catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. I think he's going to be very, very good when he makes his debut. Another player I really like that Donnie and I have talked about on this podcast before is Jared Kalenek of the now Seattle Mariners. Outfielder, has a ton of power. He was traded for Edwin Diaz from the Mets a few years ago. So... I uh, just wanted to highlight a few prospects that I'm a fan of. So, uh, yeah, Donnie, any thoughts on MLB prospects, Austin Martin, jam? Really, really go ahead and, and take this however you like here. You know, Aston Martin better. That's all I got for you. Honestly, I got <laughs> nothing else. I think I think Aston Martins have a little bit more swag than Austin Martin does, even though, you know, a top five pick, that's pretty good. But an Aston Martin, I think, just just gives you a little bit more gas.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm more excited for an Aston Martin than Austin Martin at this point. You know, we'll see how he progresses. Uh, he could be great. He could stink. You never know. Baseball prospects very hard to predict. Um, you know, it's like you look back at the top ten from like ten years ago. You have Taiwan Walker on there. Taiwan Walker. You know, he's fine. He's okay. He did his best.
0: Yeah, Byron Buxton too. That's always a guy I always think of with uh, the high end prospects. You know, fast. Uh,
1: he could play defense a little bit. Um, yeah, not 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 worthy of his top one or top two prospect ranking that he had. I don't know how, I don't know where they got that one, but you know, Hey, uh, baseball prospect rankers, they know more than I do. So I'm just going to let them have that one.
0: Yeah. We'll roll with it. Always fun to talk about uh, prospects. So interesting thought there from jam on Austin Martin. So we appreciate that one. Move on. Next question. asker here. Cause our friend Scott at sports, Scott on Twitter. First off from Scott relates to his Oklahoma Sooners. Of course he says, break down the red river shit show from last Saturday. Keep in mind that the Sooners were without Jadon Hiswood, Ronnie Perkins, Seth McGowan, Trayon Bridges, Brayton Willis, Ramondre Stevenson, Kennedy Brooks, Jalen Redmond, Justin Harrington, so there you go. There's a, there's a bunch of players that the Sooners had injured, but yeah, just going back to that OU-Texas game from last Saturday. Absolutely insane game that we saw at the Texas State Fair between those two teams. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma, they always seem to play wild games pretty much no matter what's going on. These teams uh, have not been necessarily as good as they probably hoped, but um, that was an incredible game. We saw four overtimes between OU and Texas last weekend. 53-45 the final that uh, OU was able to come out on. Just a crazy game. I mean, we Oh, you had a chance to win the game, I think, in, in double or triple overtime, and they missed a field goal. Game had to keep going. Spencer Rattler had a nice overtime. He kind of bounced back and played well. Sam Ellinger for Texas also played really well. So uh, that was a, that was an incredible game. Definitely go back and, and check out the highlights if you missed that one, I would say.
1: You know, I'm sick and tired of being asked questions about this piss-poor, mediocre football team after losing to Iowa State and Kansas State. I just, I just can't deal with it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, if you ask me another question about them until they win three or four in a row, um, I'm not gonna answer it. So that, that's my new uh, that, that's my new statement here. I'm gonna stick with that. Oklahoma stinks. Unranked, bad team. Unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a a weird year. OU may not win the Big 12. This is something that really doesn't happen. This would kind of be like the Dodgers not winning the NLS. There's something in sports that just always happen, and usually it's OU winning the Big 12. So now we actually have a storyline going into the Big 12 football season of uh, they may not be the team that ends up winning it now that they uh, already have a couple losses on their resume. So uh, interesting thought there as it relates to the Sooners, but uh, I will say it was nice to see Spencer Rattler kind of ball out in overtime after he had struggled uh, in some of those second halves of their losses. So uh, interesting thought there from Scott. He's got a few more for us. This next one relating to the Lakers and NBA championship that wrapped up. He says, is LeBron being the GOAT even a question anymore? And just outright, yes, it's still a question. You're never going to get away with the LeBron-MJ GOAT debate, even no matter what happens. That's always going to be a never-ending debate, uh, I feel like, that we always hear. If LeBron wins
1: five more rings, we'll talk. But at this point, I just, I don't know. I never saw Michael Jordan play in his prime. I can't really make a statement on that. Um, You can pick and choose the positives and negatives from these players. You can say, oh, he played against Plumbers. Uh, I don't really care. Um, I I think the GOAT argument in basketball takes away from the overall greatness that we see out of LeBron and Jordan and Kobe and all these great players. Um, You know, the GOAT argument is always more, I think it's more centric around – degrading players or bringing down players whereas we should be looking at their greatness and just like I don't know enjoying the greatness that we got out of these guys I don't know that might just be me but uh, I don't really the the goat argument is always done to me at this point
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we see this a lot on like mainstream media. There was some quote from Nick Wright this week about just like stupid stats relating to MJ. Like, oh well, he never beat like the Pistons in the '80s. It's like, yeah, we we knew that. And then he got Scottie Pippen, and then he won literally every year he played in the '90s. So I don't I don't know why you're trying to like bring down MJ. Like LeBron and MJ, like those are two of the best players of all time. They're both great. Okay, you can you can kind of just take your preference. Uh, Donnie and I, we've said on the podcast before, we're big tier guys. So LeBron and MJ, they're in the same tier of greatness. So there you go. It's it's still a question that we get a lot but yeah well said from Donnie definitely just appreciate their greatness it was so much fun to watch LeBron just go off in these playoffs I think that was something that really stuck with me just throughout this entire playoffs that uh LeBron was just incredible I mean triple double that he had in game six I mean it was just like no no big deal Anthony Davis was going off with him as well so just a super fun playoff run for the Lakers I know that was something that uh Donnie obviously enjoyed being uh, a big Laker fan
1: yeah it's just a nice time seeing them it's been a decade since they've been there which is shocking to me considering you don't think the Lakers. A decade for the Lakers being out of contention is, I I don't know, that just doesn't sound right, especially growing up. It's like, I didn't know anything but the Lakers being in contention every single year over and over. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. They are uh, an interesting team. Anthony Davis is resigning. That is a bit of news we got this week. So we should see the Lakers back next year and for following years. And I think that is, that's just a good sign for the sport in general, I think.
0: Yeah. And agree with you on that. It was a uh, really fun playoff run, as I mentioned. So, uh, good thought there. But yeah, the LeBron debate—it's not ending, unfortunately, with everybody else. So, it, it definitely is still—it definitely is still a prime question. So, uh, good thought there. Move on to a Blackhawk thought here from Scott. He says. What is Stan Bowman doing and why does he still have a job? This is a question, unfortunately, I cannot answer. I think the Blackhawks, really just the biggest issue I think I hear from, at least me personally and a lot of other Blackhawks fans, is I just don't see what direction the Blackhawks are taking. Obviously, the big move that they had was not a move. It was not re-signing Corey Crawford. It was just keeping Malcolm Subban. The only goalies in the Blackhawks roster right now are Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban. I just I don't see a way that this team really competes, especially given the fact that Crawford literally had to carry them the last couple years, and they still weren't even able to make significant runs in the playoffs. Like They kind of made the playoffs last year, but did it really count. They only won one game, and Crawford really stole it for them. They traded away Ole Mata as well this offseason for pretty much nothing. It was pretty much just a cap dump to allow them to re-sign Dominic Cuba League. They still need to re-sign Dylan Strom as well. So, that's really my biggest thing. I just don't see a direction that the Hawks are taking. Are they trying to rebuild their prospect pool and, and get and get high-end picks, kind of like we saw with the Rangers? Or are they still trying to compete? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't really see a direction with the Hawks. I think moving on from Stan Bowman is probably the right decision, but it's not a decision they've made so far. They're still allowing him to make these interesting trades that, um, as I said, I just don't really see a direction, and I think that's probably the most frustrating part that uh, that I'm experiencing with, with the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman.
1: Yeah, you never really want to see a team like the Blackhawks, who have been a uh, a model of success, I'd say, in the last, what, decade or so, uh, aside from the last couple of years, uh, a model of success, and a team that you love to watch, even if you dislike the team, um, just, just end up in this situation, It's it's very, very disappointing, but again... Uh, we've talked about this before. I have no idea why he still has a job. I can't tell you. It's it's more of the NHL. You either get a long leash or you get no leash. There's no like, you know, they should have fired him two years ago or last year, we could have said. um. Yet we're still here. Uh, I don't think he's done anything that's super detrimental to the team uh, in terms of a long-term success. Um, but I do think he hasn't done anything to make them any better. So it's like you're kind of at an impasse. You'll end up with the seventh pick next year and you're just like, ah, you know, get him next year. And then he'll make another stupid trade and eventually he'll get fired because I think we've established that he's not very good at his job, but it's not going to be this year, and you just have to deal with whatever he's done so far.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, and like you said, like, seventh overall pick, that's kind of like that territory that I'm talking about. It's like, what direction are you taking? Are you trying to rebuild? Are you trying to compete? I just I just don't see it with, with the decisions that they made over the last couple of years, so uh, I think some, some new blood in that organization would be nice. Obviously, we talked about before how they fired their team president, John McDonough, and they uh, have had a little bit of changes in the front office, but Bowman's still hanging around. So um, that's definitely a situation to follow. I definitely think he's on thin ice though. I mean, if, if they're not coming out and saying outright, we are rebuilding, I don't see a way that this team really competes with um, the situation of their goaltender situation, especially given the fact that the defense has been still a big issue. You acquire Nikita Zadorov as well for Brandon Saad. That was a trade I forgot to mention uh, at the start, but, Um, yeah, I think that's just kind of my biggest frustration. As I said, the, the middling state, it's not where you want to be in it's directionless. Uh, I I don't really see what they're trying to do. They got three more years of Kane and Taves before they are both unrestricted free agents. So uh, a lot of uncertainty as it relates to the Hawks. But uh, I will say the the slight upside is if they do, were able to get a new management, they do still have some pieces to build around. I thought Kirby Dock did a nice job as Ricky Year. I think Adam Boquist has potential as well. I like, obviously, Alex Dabrinkit. Kubalik was good. So there are some upside with the Blackhawks. But yeah, I think overall, just my takeaway is I, I just don't see a direction. And the trends and the moves that they're making, uh, I'm not really sure how it's going to lead to long-term success. So... Um, I can't, I can't, unfortunately cannot answer the question why Stan Bowman still has a job and what he's doing, but, uh, it'll be interesting to follow as it relates to the Hawks. So, uh, especially at the goaltending situation, I'm not, uh, not thinking too, too high upside with, uh, with Delia and Subban, but, uh, that'll be kind of a situation that we will follow, obviously. So, good thought there from Scott, obviously a fellow Blackhawks fan, Scotty G, so good thought from him move on to a couple of questions relating to jerseys and logos of NHL teams from Scott here it says thoughts on the Vegas Golden Knights new third jersey this was something uh, I had to look up actually I was not aware of this they have a new gold jersey I thought it was interesting Donnie and I mentioned this at the top I actually am a fan of the gray home jerseys that the Knights normally rock I thought the gold one was an interesting one I probably like the gray one a little bit more but hey I mean third jersey first time obviously Vegas and expansion team from just a few years ago so uh, a new alternate logo for vegas i thought that was uh, interesting to look up yeah i think you know you're the golden knights you need a gold jersey even if it's pretty
1: or not even if you use it often you know having that um it, it, it works I, I think the more creativity the better the more jerseys you have to wear the better i i don't really I, I say i'm indifferent about it i don't think it's like super special but it's not an ugly jersey i think it's something that'll look nice on the ice especially if it's paired with like you know you get get some black pants in there um you know it, it could be all right i, I can't complain
0: yeah, in agreement with you on that analysis. And you were saying the, the golden knights. Give me like a gold helmet. That's something I want to see. I like I like the predators. They've got the uh the yellow helmets. I I'm a fan of those. So uh hopefully the knights can rock those sometime soon. So uh good thought there. Scott's other thought of logos here, he says thoughts on ottawa's new logo uh you put new in quotes because they're really just kind of bringing back their old school logo but yeah donnie donnie and i this is another conversation we have before the podcast but uh, we were looking at the senators and we we're like wow they, they have some some cool color schemes when, when you're talking about like the the gold yellow and the red but uh they're the senators and their logo is like a gladiator this was something that i didn't even like pick up on until this question and i started looking at it a little bit like what what is going on you're the senators and you're you're shaping like you're about to like go on a battlefield and like stab someone with like a sword i have some like prehistoric shit going on with the Senators logo i don't don't really know what's going on there again
1: i don't really have an opinion on this i think it's probably better than what they had before because it's not like i don't know their fans really really like the logo they like the old classic digs so you can't really be mad If if the fans want it so be it um i don't think it's that big of a difference i think the senators uh they'll have some more eyes on them this year with a better team uh so that that's a positive for them However, uh, you know, the logo I could live without, I could live with, it's, it's fine with me. I don't really have a, a major opinion on it either. Um, I don't know. Teams, I'd rather the teams rebrand like that or bring back classic logos than make a brand new logo or do, do brand new things. Um, usually when teams try to do too modern, go too modern with things, they kind of ruin things. So I'd rather them go back in time than, you know, do whatever they were, uh, they would be planning on doing with like a futuristic logo. So I guess I can't complain with that either.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Scott for keeping us in the loop on uh, jerseys and logos around the NHL uh, that had going on. So uh, we appreciate that. Next last question asker we have for this podcast. It's our friend Josh at I Hate Lettuce 2. Always asking us a bunch of questions, especially about the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is his first thought here. He says, Max Domi con Smythe. So, I mean, hey, I mean, first of all, you got to win the fucking Stanley Cup to win Con Smythe. I don't know if you knew that, but the Jackets, that's not something that's happened before. So, yeah, I just got to remind you of that, Josh. Obviously, but I will say I'll give you a little bit of positive as well. I just shit on you, but you didn't sign Josh Anderson to five by 5.5 by seven years. Instead, you trade him for Max Domi, only sign him 5.3 for two years before he's a UFA. So that was a win. Shout out to the Jackets for not paying Josh Anderson a bunch of money. So shout out to you. I still think the Jackets should have probably looked to acquire that uh, high end forward. That was something that we highlighted when we previewed. They they signed Miku Koivu. That was one of their uh, free agent additions. But um, yeah, so... Uh, kind of, kind of just mellow jackets thoughts. You didn't have a great off season, but it was it was good, I guess. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I lie with the jackets. Yeah, um, Max
1: Domi will not be winning the Colin Smythe, uh, ever. If you do win this in the Cup, I would be shocked and probably appalled at what the rest of the league did. Um, but you know, it, as you said, good trade. Can't complain. Really, just you know, it, it's a dub for you that you don't have to pay him. Uh, $40 million over seven years. And Max Domi is probably better than he is anyway. He probably fits the, uh, the tort scheme a little bit better too. So, I mean, I guess that's a dub for you. And I, I can't complain about that um, from a jacket standpoint at least.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And I would also say, if the Jackets somehow want to Stanley the Cup, it would definitely be Seth Jones. I mean, we're talking about a guy that played like a million minutes in that like five hundred overtime game they had against Tampa. It's like, very true. obviously big, big hyperbole there, but like Seth Jones, he's your guy. If you're if you're winning the if you're winning the Stanley Cup, Seth Jones will win a winningest Smythe. I don't think it'll be Max Domi. So, um, that's where where I stand there. But uh, yeah, there you go for your Jackets love, Josh. His next thought here, he says, can Julia and I be guests when I'm in Baton Rouge? And of course, of course, you guys can come on the podcast. We'll talk about uh, LSU football or if you want to like defend the jackets a little bit more, like whatever. Yeah, you guys are obviously welcome to come on and discuss. So there you go. There's your your official invite for when you're out in Baton Rouge. Josh, obviously, loyal listener. Josh has been on the podcast before as well. So uh, of course, you can do that. Josh's next thought. This was actually something that I found out I was on culture. Donnie had to inform me of before we started recording, but he says, Denver Nuggets jeans or Yankee with no brim. So these were two videos I actually had to look up, and honestly, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that I, I will answer this question by saying definitely Denver Nuggets jeans. The guy the guy in that video was like, Yeah, look at the drip. Look at look at the drip on those jeans. I was like, Man, I fuck with it honestly. So I'm gonna go with Denver Nuggets jeans. I'm not sure I'm fucking with a cap with no brim. I mean, I'm wearing I'm wearing a hat right now and it's got a brim, so I'm not sure about that look, but but I can get behind the Denver and I get jeans, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna let him. I'll go with his answer. He was very very shocked to know that this was a real thing. He didn't know either of them, which is I was very
0: uncultured for somebody that spent so
1: much time on social media. He had no idea what was going on, and let me that was just that was shocking to me in itself, considering you know it's like. Yankee with no brim is something that was literally the internet for a while. I don't know why. I don't know what about it. But people were just so fired up about it, and he had no idea. So – that's where we're at. I, I can't. I don't know. I ask him. I don't. I don't know what he does when he's on Twitter. I guess he just ignores the yeah. trends and such.
0: I don't Some, know. somehow those eluded me, but now I know. Now I know that Denver Nuggets jeans have drip, and I'm not a fan of hats with no brim. So there's my answer on that. But yeah, Josh, give me give me your thoughts. I know, obviously, uh, I'm sure you have thoughts as well. But I'm definitely going with the jeans on that one. So uh, funny thought. Last one. Ended up the podcast here. Funny thought. I made sure to put this one at the end. Of course, this is how we end our podcast. But Josh's thought here, he says, would you rather eat cereal with a fork for the rest of your life or never be able to eat cereal again? So this is actually a very funny thought and something that I can relate to because... I am going to share with you this. So I have obviously eaten cereal before, and there have been situations where I have been without spoons, so I've had to eat cereal with a fork. I will say it's not optimal. I didn't in I didn't prefer it. If I had a spoon available, I would have obviously chosen that. But I have been in a situation where I've eaten cereal with a fork before in my life. So interesting thought. I do like cereal, so I will say I would rather take the trade-off of eating cereal with a fork than not ever eating cereal again. But, I mean, yeah, it's not preferred. But, yeah, I'm going to go with cereal with a fork. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of caution. I probably would eat cereal less. I'm more of a bagel guy in the morning, to be honest, to share you personal thought there. But, yeah, that's that's where I lie on the cereal, fork, or no cereal spectrum. Yeah, you can always just drink the milk. It's,
1: it's not that hard. You can true. use the, use the fork true. and then drink the milk. It's really not that difficult. Um, Not a huge cereal guy here, but I would definitely – I'd like to have cereal in my, uh, my, my food arsenal just in case. Um, so I would definitely go with the fork. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I also think that I could probably finagle it into a spork because a spork does include what a fork includes. So you may be able to, enjoy nice. that. good compromise. Yep. I, I think it's fair. Um, if you said I can leave with a fork, I think a, a spork and a fork, they have, they share some, uh, some properties obviously. So,
0: um,
1: you know, I'm okay with that. I, th- I think that's, that's my answer there. I mean,
0: I'm going to stick with the fork there. I like that. I like the creativity with the spork. So uh, yeah, great way to end it off. This was the 37th edition of the Really on the Horn podcast. Obviously looking for Sheck West to come on the podcast and discuss maybe, maybe Sheck West, maybe he would like our idea. He maybe now he's like, you know what? I could, I could use a spork in my cereal. Then maybe that's a a good comms from Donnie there.
1: Yeah. Uh, speaking of Sheck West, you know, if you want to come on, feel free. Uh, always I just, you know, we've been trying we've been trying really hard. And I think we're, we're finally getting the breakthrough sometime soon. I really feel it here. Um, But yeah, I absolutely. uh thank everybody to, I, I don't know, just for, just for listening, giving us your time. We spend 45 minutes to an hour, you know, um, spewing about things, spewing about life, spewing about forks and cereal. And uh, if you do listen to the whole thing, we really appreciate it. If you don't, we appreciate you as well, because you're hearing this and somehow you have got to the end. Uh, maybe you skip to the end to hear our I don't know our our farewells, which would be definitely interesting, considering you're missing basically the point of the podcast. But that's okay. Um, we very much appreciate everybody who does listen um, and the questions that we get asked, uh, even if they are dumb. Uh, you know, we answer them, and that's that's one thing that separates us from everybody else. We answer them. Um, but yeah, we will definitely be back again next week, uh, back to our normal schedule, uh, unless uh, Rodeo decides to go. I don't I don't know, Rodeo. Are you taking a trip to like the Maldives or something like that? Or, 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 what are you thinking here?
0: I don't know. I mean, now that you're talking it up, maybe the Maldives sounds pretty good. But no, we'll be back, obviously. But yeah, as Donnie said, big thanks to everybody listening this far. Obviously, our question askers this week as well, Jam, Scott, and Josh. Big thanks to you guys. If you guys want to ask questions, hit us up on our social media, at Roth Podcast. That would be another note as well. Definitely interact with us there. We love talking to our listeners, as we always like to highlight. But um, yeah, as Donnie said, big thanks to everybody for making it this far. But um, yeah, that, that was a, a solid podcast. We will talk to you guys all again next week. Peace, everybody. Peace. Elite pitch has been the magic one tonight. That's time...